Feywild Listen. It's all you need. Game Cast episode number 485. This is your host, Anthony Korkanakis, followed by Mike Zanidi. What's up? And Corey Feinstein. I follow nobody. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, our uh, typical host, Jim Gast, is out today. He's taking care of his uh, sick girlfriend, so uh, hope everything is good for them. But uh, yeah, we're going to delve into a couple topics here. Right, we're approaching PAX East. Uh, I believe at least one of us is going this year. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just jump into what we've been up to. So, yeah, um, Mike, go ahead. What have you been up to? Well, uh, with all of the swirling rumors and also based on what I've been playing recently, uh, I went and for the first time since I've played it first, like eight years ago, I'm playing Arkham Origins again. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see why did I think this was worse than the other ones? What can I expect from WB Montreal if a rumored game comes out soon? And, you know, also I just finished City with the, with the um, remastered thing. Um, of course, this was also the first time I've used Xbox One's backward compatibility, mm. which works good enough. Pop the disc in and then it downloads a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then you can play it. And uh, the only sort of strange hiccup is uh, it asks... That was one of those games that had two discs, and it asks you to change disc, but you really don't. And you just got to make sure you don't go crazy and <laughs> try to do that in there. But it... So I started that game up again, and um, it's okay so far. I do rem- I remember a few things I didn't like. Uh, one is that this was the one that had those... Um, radio towers that were almost like the Ubisoft style uh, you need to unlock fast travel by doing this thing here and there. Mm-hmm. found that a little annoying. And then another thing I noticed is the actual combat, like, there's a, it's a little glitchier. There's uh, uh, times where things mm-hmm. just don't kind of work <laughs> every now and then. I'm like, oh, that's, that's not what was happening with me in City, but uh, here it like certain things just it's not quite as smooth it's it's weird because they're very similar and obviously i played the combat a fair amount when i do the challenge modes but it just feels like there's a little bit like you might just stop and one time some character like went flying there's just a little bit rougher around the edges um and also the world is way more barren more more barren than city actually um i never really like notice the barrenness of these games. Like I know people are upset about it a lot when they talk about them in retrospect. And um, and I played through City and it felt pretty dense to me, honestly. But this one feels pretty barren in the open world. But uh, still, it has its own style. I'm I'm still enjoying it and I'm still looking forward to what we see next from them. And I'll probably play through the whole thing. I don't think I'll do every Riddler packet, their data packets in this one or anything but i'm enjoying it enough and since i don't have anything happening for most of this first half of the year i'll have the time to play through it so uh other than that just a little apex legends and that's it okay cool um gaming wise not gotten to do much but um they had their uh borderlands had their halloween their um, broken hearts valentine's day event going on so I did play a bunch during that, just because um, they did raise the cap to level 53, which means basically now you want to get all the weapons that you didn't, you, you got max level weapons, you want to get them all again in level 53. So I was kind of going through that, 
And I was trying to do, because I did release the raid um, takedown, Malagon takedown a while ago. I never completed it. I never really had anybody to work on it with me. So then I was like, you know, I'll just try to do it solo. And probably spent, I don't know, a couple hours just like failing over and over again. So I was like, ah, because it's pretty long, actually. And if you don't get halfway, it takes you all the way back to the beginning. But once you get halfway, then you can stop. You know, and if, when you fail, you go, you respawn halfway in. But then if you fail the boss, which the boss is a pretty long battle, if you're, you know, if you don't have the right setup, it can be a little bit annoying because you have to start all the way back, you know, 50% through it and go through all that again. So uh, that was a little annoying because you're not really progressing that much uh, since you're just doing the same thing over and over again without actually getting the drops. Like, I don't mind doing killing bosses over and over again because you're always getting those legendary drops and things like that. But here you're just going through the same enemies over and over again. And I appreciated it at the beginning because I was kind of just tuning my, my build, changing different things, see how effective certain weapons and um loadouts were and stuff like that but um eventually just got like oh, i just want to beat it so i just dropped because i was playing at a they have different mayhem levels i was playing at the highest level so i just finally just dropped it down i was like oh i'm just gonna drop it down so i get through this and um get just get past it so i, I feel like i accomplished something so i did that and then um like i mentioned the movie cast i'm playing a lot of board games actually which have been uh really I, I it's nice to kind of you know unplug a little bit here and there and we talked about before pax unplug is also one of my favorite conventions just because it's all centered on tabletop gaming and you know getting yeah. together with people and playing games together as a group and so i've been enjoying doing that and i think i don't know if i mentioned the podcast but i played nemesis again uh, i played that with tony at pax actually and <laughs> uh it's basically alien the board game uh but to obviously licensing purposes they can't call it that uh, but it was a really fun game, and the the story that comes out of the, this game, because it's just a thematic, really thematic game, is is great because uh, it's luck dependent, but that kind of makes it fun because some games like you don't want to you need invest. Variance. Yeah, exactly. Like some games, like really long, intensive, like strategically, you know, heavy games, you don't want luck in there because you want to feel like what you're doing matters. Right. Where some games just about fun and goofiness, and that's what this game is. It's, it's just a thematic romp on a spaceship where aliens are trying to kill you, and you're trying to solve an objective. And we had the one player who won the game, actually was an android. He played as the android. And uh, he, it's funny because you get a personal and a corporate role uh, objective. And as the android, you cannot accept the personal role. You have to choose an, a, a corporate role. And so <laughs> he basically needed to escape with an egg and... Uh, that's what he did, and then the ship blew up after he escaped. Yeah. So, <laughs> it killed the rest of the, the crew, which was, was great. Right. So, it was fun. Fun times there. And, uh, again, like it's nice to just unplug, as they say, uh, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Uh, let's see. As for me, um, I just beat Tokyo Mirage Sessions the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I was happy to do that. Um, got just under 40 hours, I think, after some game overs and uh, a couple grinding levels at the end. Uh, were factored in um this game actually was the first game in a while where like i died to the last boss multiple times and i was like getting pissed because it wasn't just like a stomp it was like oh i got him down to like you know Mm. 10 to 5 percent and i'm just like oh god and just the way it works because it follows like the whole shin megami tensei like slash sort of persona like oh like there's a lot of rng with like the weaknesses Mm -hmm. and like who he targets and stuff like that and i'm just like it'd be like all right as long as he doesn't hit this character 
I'm good. It's like, of course, he hits that character. And it's like, fuck me. Like, okay, we're just we're just done here and stuff like that. It was, you know, it's like an hour long battle too. So it's just like, oh fuck, I gotta start this over again. But it was fun. Um, you know, it was really a, like a lighthearted kind of thing. Um, the characters were really enjoyable. Um, I don't think it was financially successful, so I doubt we're gonna see a sequel. Although, um, if they did, I would personally like that because, you know, it just seems like Persona is just gonna be uh, held kind of hostage on the Sony platforms unless that changes uh, with uh, the upcoming generation. Yeah, to show support. So. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, hopefully yeah. Atlas USA can uh, strong arm uh, Atlas Japan uh, yeah. because you know, right? Because I mean, the thing is, when you think about it, I mean, the PS4 is lagging behind the PS3 in Japan, and I don't see the PS5 reversing that that uh, direction at all. So it's one of those things where it's like, all right, so like, sure, you show loyalty to like PlayStation in, in Japan, but you're like just pissing away the rest of the world because it's like. You know, you'd have double, you'd have double dippers. You'd have people that you know are just historically like maybe yeah, Nintendo Royals. Only. Perfect opportunity to put it right, out the exactly, right, exactly. So it's just like, what are you, what are you fucking doing here and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, so yeah, I beat that. Um, moving on to uh, Fire Emblem um, Ashen Wolves the DLC. DLC. Nice. Yep. So excited to jump into that. And um, I'll be. Let's see what else I do. Uh, we had a board game night this past weekend, oh, and cool. I played. Um, Villainous, uh, first time I played Villainous as a six-player game, did not like it at all. It played mm. so much like Munchkin where it's like, oh, one person's almost like close to winning. Everybody like fucking, yeah, like yeah. gangbang the shit out of them and stuff like that. It's like, oh my god, like, like somebody just like set me back three turns, like fuck. Like, and like at the point, like, I don't even want to play anymore because it's like it takes so long to get back to your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not fun. So I think four is the cap on, on that game. But then villainous, um, villainous but like is that Disney game where you play as the Disney villains, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yep. And it, it's kind of cool because like every villain has their own unique objective. Like mm-hmm. Jafar has to uh, find the, the thematic cave of too. Right, the thematic is super strong. So like the the Jafar has to find the cave of wonders, get the gene, like get the lamp, summon the genie, and then defeat the genie to you know like um, enslave him and stuff like that. Um, whereas uh, play as this time i played as the queen of hearts and okay. she's got to turn her like card soldiers into wickets to like hit her <laughs> cricket ball through them or something like that and, like <laughs> literally i was gonna yeah it, it's weird uh and i was one turn away from doing it and like Buddha's just like boom 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 i'm just like dude come on like do you like let's drag this game out a half hour longer i guess something yeah. like that. uh but other than that uh we we also played the black mirror card uh, board game Okay. And that game, fuck that game. That is a piece of fucking shit garbage. Total waste <laughs> of my goddamn time. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, I've never watched a show, so I have no idea what it really means, but it's just absolute garbage. Makes no sense at all. Like, the rules are Kinda just like terrible. like a Twilight Zone for the modern age. Yeah, very confused about everything about that, because I know there's something involving something called Bandersnatch, which was a game that was developed with that, too. That was a Netflix movie game thing, like an yeah. interactive event. Mm-hmm. Choose your choose your own adventure kind of thing. But yeah. but that was like a real life game that got that didn't really get developed and then got changed into something called like Braticus, which I did play oh. as a kid, which was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a lot going on there. It's confusing to me. <laughs> well, what is that like? What? Is, how do you make a Black Mirror game? Like, what is what are you doing? So, like, I don't know the. I'm trying to think because the rules weren't, weren't even like well explained, so that was the other factor into it. But like, apparently, each individual is like 
you start out where like somebody's a um, social media influencer and like you have these deck cards and they're like rated one through five stars and what you have to do is um, you take turns like playing cards either face up or face down for values so like there's hidden information um, and then what happens is you have a you have Tony, Tony's. Lose. I lost you for a second, bud. Oh, okay. sorry. So you have deck cards and yeah, you uh, have values. Deck, yeah. Yep, you have deck card and values, but then you also have to download the app on um, a phone. What happens is you pass the phone around, and yeah. each player gets all the other players' like names, and then these like statements where just like, and you have to give people like these statements that is like what you think they like want to do or would like to be, where it's like, oh, like. Uh, a lifetime supply of like uh, banana pies or something like literally something like something dumb like that. Um, and when the player gets their thing, they don't see who assigned them like these things. It's just like out of this selection of like, I don't know, six options, which one actually is true to you and which one do you hate the most? And then whoever you pick as love the most, that person gets more points and the person that you chose as least gets like a negative penalty points. Mm-hmm. and it, it changes every round. It's just so dumb. Like, it's just so dumb. I, I thought it was a waste of my time. I didn't understand it at all, and just, like, it's not even, like, funny. It's just, okay, this is dumb. Anyway, mm. uh, so I'll never play that game again. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, other than that, I'll be heading into PAX East this uh, tomorrow, actually, so into Boston, so I'll play a bunch of new games and uh, report back on that. Um, one thing Nintendo did this year, which I thought was really cool, was... Um, and other booths have done this before, where you can pre-register for a, sl- a time slot, and that way you can actually just show up and um, get to skip the line, because mm-hmm. you know, some of those lines could be crazy at PAX. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but uh, getting to news, uh, a bunch of companies have pulled out of PAX East due to fears of the coronavirus. Uh, I believe it started with uh, Squaresoft, um, and then Sony, Capcom, CD Projekt Red. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, so those are four pretty big... Big booths, yeah. It's not like, oh, some little rinky-dink thing. He's like, oh, you know what? We're, this is not a good idea for us. This is... Yeah, Sony was going to bring Last of Us, too. They're, yeah, they're bringing like a that. Month before, yeah, a month before launch, and it's just like... Uh, oh. Well, nope. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, and Capcom, they usually have a pretty big presence. And CD Projekt Red, I'm sure people want to know more about 20, Cyberpunk, you know, Cyberpunk yeah. 2077. Yeah. And uh, Squaresoft, you know, they, they got... So yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, nothing I'm like too upset about missing. And then honestly, um, the booth that Sony did have traditionally, they just cleared it and they just made like the areas around that like bigger in terms of like floor walking space. Mm-hmm. Well, usually so they're right in front of the, right. the escalators, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, dude, this is like obnoxious as hell. Like, why are you here? So I'm really looking forward to that and hopefully, you know, clears up a little congestion. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I mean, not to say that it was good that this happened, but the silver lining here is I think that other than Last of Us 2, obviously, if you were looking forward to that, that was a big hit. But on that, I mean, that's the only thing that we're going to really have. So it's like mm-hmm. this is the year because like next year it's PS5, full force, stuff right. like that. Whereas, you know, that would have been kind of, you know, overall. Sony too. Like my, my, uh, this is my predict- bold prediction was they're going to announce PlayStation 5 price and date this month, and that's not happening. <laughs> oh, no, it's definitely not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird because, um, you know, other bit of news, I didn't put it on there, but uh, Nintendo uh, did has done this year a Smash Direct, a Indie Direct, um, 
a Pokemon Direct, or they didn't do an Indie Direct yet, but Pokemon Direct, and they just did an Animal Crossing Direct, and it's like, so you have any games this year, Nintendo? Like, usually, by February, they've always done it, so it's like, okay, so, uh, you know, getting getting a little antsy there, same thing with Sony, I mean, they need to start talking about the PlayStation 5 at some point, uh, because, you know, again, I've said this before, like, every month now, it's like, getting closer and closer to E3, and, uh, but, you know, Sony doesn't care about that shit anymore, so... Who knows? Maybe March. Maybe March is because uh, that's when most of these companies' uh, fiscal year uh, ends. Maybe so. they're waiting for Last of Us 2 to come out, and then they'll... Dazzle, dazzle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, okay, cool. We'll get more into the news here. Let's see what we got next. Um, so, there is big news in Xbox starting yesterday where... Um, they leaked, well, not leaked, they intentionally gave off some more information uh, in terms of specs and what else we can expect from the Xbox uh, Series X. Is that how you? Yeah. Series X, so. Yep. Uh, so basically, it's going to be 12 teraflops, if that means anything to you, uh, variable rate shading, hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing. Gotta have quick, the flops, man. That's all about have the flops. flops. <laughs> yep. Uh, quick resume for multiple games and then smart delivery. Um, so, I mean, overall, like, this is really cool stuff, you know, things that we all kind of want and expect out of a next-gen system. Uh, Cooker Zoom is always a nice thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was one of my favorite features of uh, this gen with systems where you could just, like, quickly, like, you know, uh, sleep the console and just pick up, you know, again, as long yeah, as you haven't opened cool. anything. But now that you can do it with multiple games, I mean, that's pretty cool because you could just, like, switch in and out, you know, pretty seamlessly, as long as it works as in you know expected is that um, for like i wonder if that's only for downloaded games and not like disc based games yeah that's what i assume because i mean but you know i mean even disc games you know most of them it's going to be installed data anyway right but uh yep, they confirmed ssd storage um dynamic latency input you know um hdmi 2.1 this that, and the other thing uh and the big thing is four generations gaming so uh original xbox xbox 360 xbox uh, one and Xbox Series X games will all be playable on it, including uh, Xbox Game Pass. So to me, that's the coolest thing just because, you know, I'm always been, <coughs> excuse me, an advocate for backwards gaming mm-hmm. uh, compatibility. And, you know, especially where, you know, now we're really deep into like digital content, digital library and stuff like that right. is even more important because, you know, like I said, going from even 360 PS3 to this gen, I was so pissed at Sony because it's like all the, like, all these games I bought on PS3, it's like, oh, cool, you gotta hook up your PlayStation 3 if you wanna yeah. play. I'm like, fuck that. Like, I bought so fewer games on PlayStation, PlayStation 4 because I was just like, that yeah. sucks. Well, like, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. The, the good thing about backwards compatibility is that you can, right out of the gate, have a huge library of games for people to play. If they maybe don't have your system before or were not Xbox, Microsoft, you know, players, they, um, they can jump right in and have everything at their fingertips that they want to play. So that's a great advantage. You know, obviously when you launch a system, you usually have a pretty barren launch lineup. So um, you always gain the worst games at that moment as well. I just used backwards compatibility pretty late in Xbox one generation. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been one of those people. I was like, I don't care about backwards compatibility. I remember that you and Jim. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, but it, it, you can't deny that it's personal. When you launch a, a new system, like yeah. it's it's very good to have that. Yeah, definitely a song of point, and it, it'll make it easier too. Because um, one of the other cool announcements was that um, what is it? Uh, uh, CD Projekt Red announced that 
owners of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, it just one title and they'll be able to upgrade to the xbox series x version when that comes out so it's just yep. like that's pretty crazy honestly no it is absolutely like um it's you almost weird. wonder i mean it just makes so much catch. sense though <laughs> like for as it can it's just so consumer like yeah facing. It really it's is. like um, if i buy something and then play it like on the next gen console i want it to look better and play better and they said, like, you know what, we're just going to basically essentially give you the Xbox One Series, series X, whatever, version, if you get the Xbox One version. Yep. So. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely in good faith, though, for something that mm-hmm. probably should have, was originally planned to come out well before being a cross-generational game, really. But now it has to be cross-generational based on when it's coming out. So it's like, well, we didn't really plan to, like, A lot of people... Versions. Like, automatically assumed that the delay was because they wanted it to be like better for the next gen systems. Yeah, I'm not but, so sure uh, about that. <laughs> no, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's what a lot of people are assuming. So then now they're thinking, oh well, they're automatically going to say like, oh, how could you make us pay twice for this? And yeah. people do that. So I'm like, that's cool that they come out like right away here and just say, you know, nope, you're going to get them both. So yeah. yeah. Pretty cool, and then just because we're um, talking about Xbox, we'll mention that um, Phil Spencer making the news again because you know talk about the Xbox, uh, and he's saying that they need, you know, Xbox as a whole slash Microsoft needs to find um, new players and new methods of monetization, um, you know, to grow the console gaming audience and stuff like that. And uh, let's see, hold on, trying to find the quote here. Uh, our point of view at Xbox is that there's not one business model to rule them all. We actually think it's healthy, not just from an industry standpoint, but from a creative standpoint, if multiple business models will work. Uh, more people playing is a good thing. We have to be careful. If you view the game world as a fixed pie, if you say there are only 200 million people who will buy a gaming console in a generation, then in order to grow the business, we have to get more per user. If it's fixed number of players and it's about how you monetize each minute someone is playing, I think that's dangerous for us as, as an industry. I think we have to find new players and new methods of monetization to open up those player bases, and that's a great path to growth. Um, so, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I don't know if you said anything, honestly. <laughs> 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 that's a lot I mean, of words without really saying much of anything. It's a little contradictory, isn't it? He doesn't want to... You know, monetize every minute of the existing player base, but then he's like, new methods of monetization though are something that are good, which is the same thing a little mm-hmm. bit. But I guess he was also saying, oh, we can look for new players, which pretty much the we did last. That was the last time I feel like that happened. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, I I completely agree with him because, especially now, I mean, for most of gaming's life, it's been. Hey, you buy a console and you buy, you know, a pretty standard fixed price, you know, with some exceptions, mm-hmm. $50, $60 range uh, for a new title. And that's it. And then, you know, slowly as we got into the digital age, it was like, hey, there's DLC. Uh, and then it's like, hey, there's free to play with loot boxes. And then now it's like, hey, season passes. Um, so there's just, you know, so many different ways to do that. And I think, honestly, there's, there's just some games that certain models are just um, more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Beneficial. Yeah, suited or catered beneficial mm-hmm. to, to certain things. Like, you know, I'll take, for mm-hmm. example, like Fortnite, uh, Apex Legends. Like, Battle Pass pretty much works because mm-hmm. most of the users uh, will just 
get whatever the bare minimum free content stuff is, but the people who are paying will get more. Um, and especially if they have a price where, like, you know, uh, you can earn enough to buy the next battle pass, um, you know, and stuff like that. So it incentivizes that. And you, you know, because you have that large player base, you know, the whales, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, fund the game kind of for everybody. Or if you look at it from a different perspective for, like, something like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, I mean, you really need that monthly subscription fee um, to, right. to monetize that for, you know, server content costs and stuff, stuff. Like server costs and, and yeah, exactly whatnot. But, you know, I think, you know, as we, and especially with the indie scene, there's going to be a lot of other things where it's like, well, you know, how much does a game cost? You know, what kind, I mean, how do you even attach these numbers? And especially with Xbox, where it's like all about Game Pass, I'd, I'd be really curious to see how they view success uh, for some of these games like Outer Worlds or, you know, I'm trying to think of another one that's like kind of like new slash experimental that they're going to be releasing because, you know, Gears of War is obviously successful. I don't think Crackdown was successful mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, you know, what are those like internal metrics? Outer Wilds was pretty critically. Um, right. And, but right. I never, I don't, it didn't seem like a big, big title like, or anything like that. I think that um, the, yeah, I get the, what, what he's, he's saying, he's saying, he's trying to come across with a, like a certain point here that we want, we need to grow the industry uh, and we can't fall into the same, you know, things that we've been kind of yeah. leaning on the same, same stuff. I think we kind we of continue to find new ways to yeah. and, I mean, get content out and also, you know, have the ability to make that content by getting money from the, the, the player base. And so, uh, you know, it's, just a matter of like, yeah, I think that's obvious. We need, we definitely need that, and we definitely, yeah. as an industry, need to grow and obviously, you know, become better at allowing content to, to to flourish and to be presented out there. I mean, it's also I think you know as a digital platform becomes much more prevalent, like how much more can these little developers get back from the? You know, how much profit are they making? Like. Is it more beneficial for Xbox to give you know more percentage to some of these developers? Kind of like what hey, Epic's like, come over to our store and we're going to give you more for the developers because we just want people coming. We just want the more people we have, the higher chance we have of someone becoming a whale and a customer, doing that. Right. Yeah. And so that's I think where they're they, you know he's kind of saying yeah. that he just wants more people in to get a higher percentage of. Yeah. And that's that's the part where I'm like, well, I kind of disagree with that statement, because sure, if you look at it from a console, uh, just the console. Yeah, uh, there seems to be a cap. And that's kind of what I said, you know, a couple of years in this generation that, you know, um, PlayStation 4 uh, was the only uh, one that sold its predecessor. Um, and that's, you know, looks like I think it was like around 90 million for PS3 and uh, PS4 is a little over 100 right now. But uh, Wii U is a huge drop. I mean, 100-something million units to, you know, 13. 11 or 12. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. Um, Xbox 360, you know, around, yeah. again, 90 million units to, you know, after six years on the market. They're still not even at uh, 45 or 50 or whatever it is like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and Switch, fortunately, their Nintendo was able to come back. But, I mean, there seems to be a certain uh, upper limitation on that. And that's due to a couple of factors. But I think, you know, it's just... The console space uh, has been doing the same tried and true, like, this is what we're used to, in terms of, mm-hmm. like, hey, every five, six years, new box, better graphics, bigger games, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, like, yeah, that's great and all, but, like, I mean, how often are those, are you retaining those players as they grow older and stuff like that? 
not only that, you know, as older generation, as older people, it's like, ah, you know, I don't really need the new, latest and greatest. I mean, I think we've all said on a previous podcast that, you know, barring something mind-blowing with uh, the launch of PS5 and Xbox Series X, I mean, we're kind of like a cautious wait-and-see approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the older generation. But then you look at the younger generation, they're growing up on mobile devices, iPads, mm-hmm. iPhones, you know, galaxies, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, well, if you're not cultivating them from a young age, like how are you getting a hold of these people? So I think um, gaming is growing and it has grown, but it's just not in the way that is best suited for Phil Spencer's company at this point. Well, I, actually, I think he... Between Sony and Xbox, I think, because I, I, Nintendo is just their own thing. Like you, you're yeah. always going to get people playing Nintendo because of, of what they, the IPs and yeah. just the innovative right. Well, right. technology that they're presenting. But because of Xbox and Sony doing very similar things, I do think that Xbox is moving in more of a uh, accessible direction than what Sony is moving in. I think with just you know trying to make it a PC. I mean that's all they're doing. Oh, is yeah. just, like, they're turning it into a PC. Yeah. Like I, I was saying that... in my bold predictions. <laughs> Well, obviously, um, yeah. like you, I do think they're gonna have modular parts to these consoles where you're gonna be able to swap stuff out, like hard drives and stuff like that, uh, easily. And um, you know, who it, again, like you're saying, um, with backwards compatibility, like knowing the things you buy now will be able, you will be able to play whenever you want on PC has been a very easy transition to like, yeah, I'll pay seven hundred dollars for a new graphics card because I can still play everything I already have. Like it's there's value there. I'm not going to pay $700 for a console. There's no way, right? But people do that for PC because they know that they have everything they've ever bought and available to them still. And uh, that is, I think, going to be a, a, a really big boon for. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, Series X and saying, hey, yeah, everything you've had or you want to have or whatever is going to be there for you, and uh, you're not probably going to have these major leaps anymore. Where I, I don't, I think Series X is basically the next thing. It's just going to be kind of like iPhone and iPads where. You're just going to iterate and iterate on the on the device and yeah, because I mean, right, and that's the thing is like you know, for Microsoft this makes the most amount of sense for them because you know again going from a user base of 90 million to half of that mm-hmm. in the, almost the same amount of time, that's bad. Like that's really right. bad. I mean because I mean they're, they're also their online services like their constant revenue every month is taking a huge hit because. Right. You know, you have less players you'll, on you'll Xbox. Need people Live. Playing, you don't need, they don't need to pay for Xbox Live because they're not paying playing on your system. Right. Yep. And uh-huh. that's what I've always tried to tell Jim is ever since like, you know, they were the first ones to be like, oh, like for the or not for the player. What was it? Um, jump you in. know, jump in and uh, you know, c- we're we're all about cross platform play. I'm like, really? You guys are the ones that like did all these exclusive deals with Call of Duty last gen with 360 and stuff like that. And that mm-hmm. again, I agree with them like the message, but it's just. For them, it was competitive advantage because they were the good guys in the public eye, and now it was Sony being the the bad, evil, arrogant, tyrant, you know, kind of thing. Where right. it's like, oh, Minecraft, you can play between Xbox and Nintendo, but you can't do it with Sony, you know, PlayStation, stuff like that. Or, you know, eventually they won and stuff like that, and it's great. But, like, it made sense to them because, you know, uh, when you're the How smallest fish... How the turntables have <laughs> turned. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean... I think Phil is just saying what he needs to say, uh, obviously, as the, uh, you know, head of the Xbox division and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just like, yep, well, you know, Phil, I, I appreciate his efforts, but, you know, for me, uh, I just don't see the Series X turning that drastically. Like, again, best case scenario, you get back up to 360 levels where it's like 80, 90 million. Well, I think, um, I honestly don't think that they're, 
they're expecting that either with the the hardware. I think it's right. all about the services for them. Oh you yeah, know, yeah, for sure. Game Pass and um, Project X, whatever streaming garbage all is going to be coming out. All that out. stuff is good though, but the thing is, again, like it's still games. Like you still need games, and the mm-hmm. reason why the 360 did so well is Halo 3 was a big deal when it came out. Yep. <laughs> you know that was back in Halo's prime, and then it got in with the lower price tag, and everyone developed first for the 360. So mm-hmm. it has easier to develop on too than that. The better versions and the first versions and the exclusive content sometimes of all the third-party games too, and then it just had that in from the beginning and yep. kept going. So price and games. Uh, so even if uh, I think if Sony, even if it doesn't, isn't as sort of like service friendly as Xbox is because we know it has all these exclusives. If it comes in at a lower price point, I think it, that's all it needs to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it will between the two, but between those two things, like that's what sells consoles. And I know that that's the traditional way to sell consoles, but at least to get that first install base i think that's yeah. what it's gonna take no i i agree i honestly think that playstation will probably have uh more sell more consoles but i don't think xbox or microsoft cares about that as much now i think they're more concerned oh, yeah. about i mean they've the services they the way for it. but yeah i mean like you know i remember back when you know it was pretty evident that xbox one was not going to uh come anywhere close to the three because they stopped releasing official numbers uh and they touted you know monthly active users last um nowadays they don't even give pr at all but mm-hmm. even the last mention of like monthly active u- they don't use that metric anymore they use like <laughs> vague terms like engagement and stuff like that so it's like great i get it you need to you know you need to redefine what success is and there's nothing wrong with that it's just it it obfuscates like the the way that you know uh customers and you know uh fans can enjoy that and you know i don't know for somebody like jim like you know is it good that he can play cuphead and ori and stuff like that on the switch it's like well, why'd you buy an, an Xbox, you know, at this point and stuff like that? So, um, you know, I, I think overall it's going to work out for everybody then, but it's just one of those things where it's like, what's going to compel me to continue using, you know, Xbox? And right now that's Game Pass. But, you know, again, that, I think it's just a lost leader for now because they're like, hey, we want everybody to, to join, you know, just like Disney Plus is like what? Like Verizon gave away a year for free. You know, I signed up for like three years for like a hundred bucks or whatever like that. Just you got to get those uh, initial install base up, and then, you know, you uh, start incrementally, slowly over time, increasing the price and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, we will move on. Uh, circling back a little bit, uh, EA skipping Game Developers Conference over the coronavirus uh, scare, uh, as well as uh, Kojima Productions. So, um, yeah, just more real-life uh, scaring. Yeah. And disrupting, you know, industry stuff. At least with GDC, I mean, PAX East is like an enthusiast. Facebook's also not going to GDC. Do, do we remember with, you know, similar things in the past, like, you know, swine flu, bird flu, like SARS, stuff like that? Did this happen? Were, were people that scared with that? I don't, I don't remember it, but also social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think social media has blown Corona, like, way out of proportion. Because, I mean, like, it's just... You know, it's it's the whole Facebook, YouTube, like, scare mentality of, like, oh, like, you know, it's the equivalent, like, clickbait. Like, oh, coronavirus, like, no cure, you know, oh, like, X, hundreds of people have died. It's, like, yeah, hundreds of people out of, like, thousands of cases, like, the mortality rate's still, like, what, 2%? And I'm not saying I want 2% mortality rate on anything, but, I mean, 
you, you hop in a car, you, you hop in a bus, you, you fly in a plane. Be, there's mortality rates with that, but, you know, don't be bats an eye. But, you know, you throw, oh, disease sure. without a cure. Then it's like, oh, shit. Motherfucking G-Virus up in this house. Resident Evil, mm-hmm. motherfucker. It's like, all right, well, calm down. Fucking chill out and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. We'll see how that affects things um, moving forward. And then last bit of news here, uh, some interesting things where the PS5 controller could possibly tailor gameplay based on your sweat. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, article here by TechRadar. Uh, so, is that a recently uncovered Sony patent outlines a gamepad able to use biometric feedback to monitor players' heart rate and sweat levels and then adjust gameplay based on its findings. Uh, the patent abstracts... Uh, describes a biofeedback sensor attachment for a controller that is made of one or more sensors uh, together biofeedback, such as heart rate, sweet, uh, sweat secretion levels with certain measurements potentially indi- indicative of a player's emotional state. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you, know what it, you know what they should do with that? They should install airbags into the controller so it knows right before I'm about to throw it. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> you love the wind slam, windmill slam your uh, controllers, Mike. So, uh, yeah, maybe there is a market for that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, interesting. it's interesting, and I think I think Nintendo and Sega have inv- have looked into this already. I could have sworn there's something with an early VMU for Resident Evil on uh, Dreamcast that would measure somebody's pulse or something like that. I know it had like a little pulse thing going yeah, on. Yeah, like, it did. Image. Yeah, and Nintendo, I mean, they had that rumor of the the Wii Vitality Sensor back in the yeah. you know mm-hmm. last decade or you know 2006 decade, so. Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, interesting. I don't know, you know, how much that's going to come out of it. Like, I, mean, I don't know how like I want my game to be affected by how much I'm enjoying it. Like, am I like <laughs> or being like uh like my physical body's affected by it? I don't know. It seems kind of weird to me. I'd rather have the controller just be like, you know, maybe blow blow some wind on my hands or something if I start sweating. Like, I don't right. know. <laughs> like activate air fan. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. I suppose that. it would be like the most interesting in horror games like to actually like monitor your real heart rate right and like, you right know, put it on screen even that alone would be kind of scary honestly yeah. Yeah. Like, uh but you know have it matter with your character in some way well, i know i mean like when you go to the gym and you're doing like those ellipticals they always have like the heart rate mm-hmm. monitors and stuff on the on the handles so is this a safe number yeah <laughs> it'll be interesting i i don't I don't see anything really coming out of it, but yeah, I mean, I'd much gotta, rather have them put out a pro controller than something that monitors my heart rate. So yeah, because uh, <laughs> I don't know, PS4 controller quality uh, was not the yep. best in my opinion. They, so. they need those airbags for the PlayStation 4 controllers. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Just put a bigger right. battery in. People will be yep. happier. They don't need to. <laughs> much <Yeah>. else. <laughs> yeah, take away that sensor light, bro. Like just yeah. that battery. But all right, I think it's going to wrap it up for 485 of the GameCast. Once again, my name is Tony, joined by Mike and Corey. Uh, Jim will hopefully be back uh, with us next week. I'll have some report back on PAX East news, findings, uh, stories, etc. And if you want... Your box is still going, as far as I know. Your box is still going. Um, (laughs) So you can email us at podcast at allyoucanegeek.net. Follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or like us on Facebook. Uh, We're on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, like, comment, etc., etc. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Gotta go fast.